Fisher at Los Angeles, 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of episodes. And then we did that again with the Golden Palace, the spinoff of the Golden Girls, but we ran out of those episodes too. So now we're doing whatever we want and it's so exciting. I'm so excited for today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're doing another Beyond Golden Girls episode where we cover the many film and TV projects that B, Betty, Rue, and Estelle did outside of the Golden Girls during the course of their careers. And today we're covering an Estelle performance. We watched the 1987 cult classic movie, Mannequin. Which you may not know this, but it is where this song comes from. It's just, it's an iconic song. It is the moment, it's the thing that everyone remembers about this movie. Now you will remember it for Estelle Getty, of course. But that song, incredible. I will say, it it had been a while since I'd seen this movie, and I was waiting for the song constantly throughout the movie. I forgot they don't play it till the very end. I know. I think I thought they played it when they were riding on the motorcycle together for some reason. And I was like, when are they going to play Starship? And then they finally played it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Now I feel like a nice release. Yeah. Um, it's such a great, great, it's just such a great song to like belt in your car with the it windows so down. Is. It so is. And because we were doing this episode, it was when this came about, I immediately knew the guest we had to have. Now, we don't always have guests for our beyond, but this one warranted a guest. So... My good friend is as obsessed with Mannequin as I am and is also as obsessed with pop culture and all of the things. And they are one of my closest friends. I love them to death. Tenderoni, drag king out of Chicago. Tenderoni is killing it. And I'm going to say it right now. I think Tenderoni should be the first drag king on Drag Race. And Tenderoni is just, you need to Google or YouTube or Instagram or whatever, TikTok or whatever anyone does. And see Tenderoni perform because Tenderoni is one of those performers that like will just blow you away and make you love drag even more than hopefully you already do. And we have bonded over Mannequin many, many times and our love, our mutual love of Hollywood, one of the characters from Mannequin. And so when we decided to do this, when when this popped up on HBO Max, I was like, yep, Tenderoni, got to be here. I had so much fun talking with Tenderoni and I went on their Instagram page and I was like, these looks are yeah. something else. Oh yeah, this guys, we recorded, we're recording the intro before we, like after we had our chat with Tenderoni, which is why it's past tense because Carrie just met Tenderoni and you also are obsessed with Tenderoni now, aren't you? Yeah, my obsession came about pretty quickly. Well, should we, we probably should not um, hold off anymore and let these dear listeners become equally as obsessed with Tenderoni as we are and get to the episode, shouldn't we? Yes, yes, we gotta do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I know that I raved about Tenderoni before we got on in our intro, but I'm just going to rave a little bit right here so Tenderoni can hear me. I love Tenderoni. Hi, Tenderoni. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Literally. We're so excited. Tenderoni, I mean, you know this, but I need to let everyone listening know this. You are my favorite drag king. You are the ultimate drag king working i'm just saying it it's my opinion i know don't come for me if you think other better there are better drag queens because tenderoni is mine and i will die on that mountain love you so much thank you number one tenderoni stan well and and you and i i mean we've been friends for a while but you and you're i you're a fanderoni you're, i'm a fanderoni <gasps> i'm a fanderoni wow unless your fans already have names in which case i'm so sorry if if I tried to assign a new name to your fans. <laughs> no official names, so, you know, we can workshop that. <laughs> so one of the things that Tenderoni and Tenderoni's partner, Natasha, who's also a very, very good friend of mine and Michael's, um, we one of the things that you and I in particular bond over is our obsessive love of pop culture on a level that is isolatingly sick to the point where we're at a party and people get annoyed of us because we're more focused on pop culture things and not like, you know, whatever else is happening. That kind of, that kind of obsessive pop culture love, right? Very that, that combined with our ADHD, we're just hopping around <laughs> to different pop culture um, moments in time constantly. Oh my God. Honestly, I was a latch kid. So pop culture was kind of my babysitter. So that's why yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. I mean, literally <laughs> I remember we went to dinner some time ago and in the span of like a conversation, we probably covered like a true crime case, something about Charles in Charge, maybe Golden Girls, and then Mannequin. Like literally, it was like within the span of. Like, I'm three so sentences. bummed I was not there for that conversation. <laughs> oh. You just said all the things I love. Yes, yes. I mean, insane amount of pop culture love, and because we are now on out of the, out on the lanai, going over sort of other projects that the girls were a part of. When it came time, when Mannequin dropped on HBO Max. I immediately texted Carrie saying we're doing this. And then I immediately followed up by texting Tenderoni being like, you have to be a guest for this episode because you, I mean, Tenderoni, the drag character Tenderoni is partially, if not fully inspired by Hollywood. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Hollywood is one of my main inspirations for drag. It's the the, the fashion, the energy, the looks. Uh, Hollywood is like the main ally uh in that movie mannequin yeah. <laughs> it's like hollywood does not judge hollywood's like oh yeah you have a fetish i'm cool with that like hollywood i love like- that about hollywood like there was everybody was judging andrew mccarthy mm-hmm. for falling in love with some mannequin and that's what i'm calling samantha slash mannequin just so we're all on the same page <laughs> and i loved that about hollywood like hollywood walks into the bathroom and andrew mccarthy is kissing and he's like no 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 we're good we're good i just had a question about whatever like oh i, I mean He's the greatest part of this movie. Misak Taylor, I don't know his sexuality. I believe the actor was straight. But if he was straight, he is the gayest straight person who has ever existed in the in Hollywood. And that's saying a lot. Because he has created some iconic queer characters or queer adjacent characters. Hollywood being the biggest one. But then also on Designing Women, it was the character wasn't gay. But he kind of was. Right? Very that. Very that. <laughs> the energy that he was. It's just like a sassy diva. I mean, I'm just going to say he's a diva. So that's, He's a diva. That's it. He's a diva. Yes. And, which I'm sure Carrie has in one of her notes, but I feel like we'll start this off. Um, can I Can I tell you what I think you're going to say? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. 
Are you going to say that uh, Meshach Taylor also appeared in the Golden Girls in the pilot episode and yes. had like two lines as the cop that went like, sorry to break the news, ma'am, about your husband, and then walks away. And I was and like, oh, what, there could have been, that could have been a richer role. Also, what does he say to her, to Blanche? So Blanche, you know, gets conned out of marrying this man. Is, am, I, I confused. Harry. Harry. Mary Harry. Mary and Harry. Meshach Taylor's character, Hollywood, not Hollywood, but Hollywood, we'll call him Hollywood, Diva Hollywood, suggests to Blanche that he's been doing this to a lot of elderly women. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine saying that to Blanche? Never, ever, ever, never. Never. Oh, my God, never, ever. Oh, well, should we get to it, Carrie? Yes. Um. So, oh, my gosh. I I had not watched Mannequin for a while. Um. This movie really was like the original Lars and the Real Girl. Um, one thing I, I loved about just the beginning of this movie, it made me realize how much I miss like opening movie titles. Like we don't have the patience for that anymore, but this one had like fun music and animation. It kind of reminded me of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So like right off the bat, I was like, oh yeah, this is a fun movie. It has way more physical comedy than I remember because it's been a minute since I've seen it. And it was just such a joy, an absolute joy to watch. Yeah, what did you think of the opening credits? Because I know, Tenderoni, you are a big style icon. What 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 was your reaction to the opening credits? I had the same exact note as Carrie. I was like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Like, this looks like the animated intro. I'm like, no one does this anymore. Like, <laughs> this is a lost art. And it was, yeah. a, it was like a it nugget of the late like, 80s. It was... It was a nugget of the late 80s, early 90s, and it was just sort of like, and also one of the, in the era of movies where like, like now this would be a TV show or something, or it'd be a Netflix movie, or it'd be something like small, like this wouldn't be a big Hollywood movie. And I love that this like, like someone could have had an option to go see this in, what year was it, 1987 or something? Like, 87. Yeah, like someone could have had an option to go see this in a movie theater in 1987, and it would have been the three of us. no actually side note i told my mom i was doing this podcast her and my dad actually went on a date to see this movie in 1987 (laughs) wow and then you were concepted that night wow you're a mannequin baby (laughs) wow wouldn't that have been that would have been i mean that would have been the ultimate actually that could be true because i was born in 1988 so there you go You may have to ask a very uncomfortable question. You need to find that out. I don't feel like that would be uncomfortable for you to ask. I know your family. I feel like you could probably get that answer. I could ask. My mom is very chill. She'd be like, yeah, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So the thing, one thing I forgot about this movie was sort of like the lore of the mannequin, which I forgot that we, we start this movie in like ancient Egypt there's there's like an arranged marriage situation. She's in a tomb. Kim Cattrall's dressed like a mummy. She's hiding. She doesn't want this arranged marriage to happen. Um, She looks so gorgeous in that mummy cloth. Like what a great introduction to Kim Cattrall in this movie. I mean, Kim Cattrall was the last, this is a little fun fact about Kim Cattrall. I mean, I think you and I texted about this tenderoni, but Kim, this really was like the origin story, like you were saying, of of Samantha. Like this is early Samantha in every way from Sex and the City. Um, I, that. I definitely think that is her this is her origin story. <laughs> 
<laughs> but they always play around with her age on Sex in the City, so you never know. Totally, that is true. That is true. But what's wild about this, also... about Kim Cattrall is that she was the last studio player. Like she was the last signed studio star person, like of the wow. of that era, oh which is wild to think about that it, it lasted until the eighties. But yeah, she was one of the last. I did not even know that it lasted until the eighties. Yeah, that is wild. Do you yeah. know what other movies she did as? part of her like studio pact oh i don't contract i don't know but i know she has very bad things to say about it because they screwed her over in a lot of ways and she she mm. credits sex in the city for like saving her career but like she had a lot of not nice things to say about her 80s experiences got it well got i know for a fact it wasn't mannequin too nope it was not <laughs> 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 how dare i was like how dare they replace her oh, sensitive subject yeah you brought uh, it up and also it's not a great movie mm. um except that hollywood's in it that's great yes um so yes so samantha praised the gods for a way to do something more exciting with her life which like that's amazing she's a woman she's like i don't want to be defined by a marriage i want i i have bigger dreams and goals for myself mom and then she disappears into thin air and then this is where i would like to pose a question to the two of you i know we're already like we're only in the first two minutes of the movie i already have a question but like what happened when she disappeared into thin air because like we know she hasn't been a mannequin for centuries because they didn't exist that long. Mm. So, like, has her soul just been inside, like, different inanimate objects? Because at one point she said she dated Christopher Columbus, but, like, she wasn't a mannequin then. What was she? I mean, I, she, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't I don't understand. I don't know. It was the 80s. Like, what was she? She wasn't a mannequin this whole time. Where'd she go? I mean, maybe she was. I don't know, Pocahontas? I don't know what, like, I don't know. That's not even Christopher Columbus. I don't know. <laughs> to me, she was an entity in her in her aura just traveled. It's kind of like, she's kind of like Forrest Gump, if you think about it. <laughs> she's the guacamole. Eat, she's eating outside in Malibu and Sex in the City, too. That's what she is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's just and running then, across the country, and she's a phantom that people say that they spot. Okay, yeah. Tenderoni, I accept that answer. <laughs> Um, so then, um, we meet Andrew McCarthy who builds mannequins and the Kim Cattrall mannequin is the hottest mannequin I have ever seen before in my life. The like features. The, I, I've never seen a mannequin that has, yeah, such amazing mm -hmm. lifelike features. Like you can really tell that, you know, when Andrew McCarthy says, I'm a sculptor, this is my art, yeah. it shows yeah. in some mannequin, like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but just like Samantha, he too wants something more in life. Um, you know, he has these other side jobs that he's constantly getting fired from. Um, all he wants to do is make beautiful art. Um, is there anything you guys want to talk about before we get to Roxy? <laughs> Okay, I love her blush. First of all, the mannequin blush is so yes. iconic. Yes. Also, I, I <laughs> while watching this, I was like, whatever happened to that mannequin? That mannequin is currently in a store in yeah. Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> you like know, a, you some know kind they, of sneaker hype beast store. <laughs> they made they made probably like a hundred versions of Kim Cattrall mannequin or some mannequin. Like, you know that they did. And I think like I was it was weird that he was that taken by this mannequin that he made. Like, he was, he literally was like, this is the most, it would be like if I made a rice a dish, right? And I added vegetables <laughs> and chicken, and I looked at it, and I was like, 
this is the most beautiful dish I've ever made. And then I became obsessed with recreating every single dish I ever made to be that one rice aroni dish. Like, that's how uncomfortable <laughs> and weird his obsession with this mannequin was and started out to be. But I love it. <laughs> no, well, you know what? As an artist, when I create yes. something, I do have an attachment to it. Like, <sighs> when I'm creating it and say you have to sell it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, my art that I created. I don't want to let it go. Mm. Um, it doesn't go as far as his obsession. Yeah. But I've never I've never created a what a, some mannequin, so I never know. You're not chasing your art to that... a department store that you don't work at. <laughs> But I, but I also think that when we see Andrew McCarthy at these other side jobs, like you see why it's so fulfilling for him to work on his art with Samanikin. Because when, you know, he's making balloon animals and when he's he's trying to do, he's just supposed to be like trimming hedges and he's doing this like Edward Scissorhands topiary sculpting like on the, like the bush. Yeah. You know, he's trying to make a pizza beautiful, but instead of getting it out to the customers, like he's trying to be an artist in everything that he does. Don't know. And when time... he looks at some mannequin, he's like this, this is, it's allowing me to, to, to be the artist I want to be. So half I get time, it. Half the time when he was looking at that mannequin, I just thought, girl, just be a drag queen because that's all you did was put makeup <laughs> on this, this mannequin. Like that's all you did. Put it on your face, call it a day, be obsessed with yourself. It was sickening. And yeah. honestly, that also a side note, uh, that's another lost art in eighties movies. There was such a music montage of his different mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I miss a good music montage. I, do too. I kinda love they it. Took, they took it from the Muppet movies. Yeah. Like, where, like, you know how Muppet movies they tell you like the transfer of time based on music basically and like the little things that they're doing. Yeah. Well that's exactly what every other film in the eighties did. They all took it from Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, we need to really start bringing some of these things back. Yeah. Um, so Anna McCarthy dates a woman named Roxy. Uh, she works at Illustra, which is a um, competi- a competing, uh, it's, a, it's a department store. And uh, I don't know, she's like, I don't know, they don't have a great relationship. No. She tells him that he needs help. She's a horrible um, actress. Horrible actress. I, you know what? I feel bad because like, 90% of her lines were 80 yard. Yeah. So I feel like the audio is bad. Something was going on. But when you have to AER lines, like you're not giving the same performance as when you are on the day. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like she was the victim of ADR. Like Andy McDowell. You're right. Well, well, no, they didn't ADR her with a different actor. I don't think. We don't I do know. think that there were some lines. I know. I don't know for sure. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, so there's just this moment where he, Andrew McCarthy gets caught in the rain and he has to like push his motorcycle. But then as he's pushing his motorcycle in the rain, this like sad sack of a man, he passes by a department store window and he sees some mannequin in the window dressed up. And he's like, <gasps> and he says to her, you're the only thing I've ever created that made me feel like an artist. Oy. And then he returns to his motorcycle and it starts up and he drives off. And then the next day he returns to the store and there's a crane that's hanging a little sign that's celebrating the 100 year anniversary. And a little tiny woman gets out of a cab right in front of the store. She immediately like nails the dude in the nuts with the door. (laughs) And we meet Estelle Getty as Claire. And I think we should play her opening right now. Good morning. What a gentleman. They're putting up the sign. 
How fun! Yoo-hoo! It's a Scottish Crooked. Isn't this exciting? A customer lined up to get into our store. Tell me, would you like our new sign? Oh, it's very nice. You really been here a hundred years? Well, not personally, but the store, yes. It was built by my grandfather, Tough Teddy Prince. My father ran it until he passed away recently. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he was very old, and he died the way he wanted to in women's lingerie. Pardon me? Oh, heart attack while walking through the women's department. <laughs> right. Excuse me. I mean, that was uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> that was a that was a that sounded like Sophia making a Phil joke right there when she talks about him dying the in way the he lingerie, wanted to yes. in women's actually she says lingerie which is like wow <laughs> yeah. what a what a B Arthur moment pronouncing a word wait Tenderoni what do you in think interesting way. of Estelle Getty in this movie um I kind of love it because she's kind of like the uh the person that the only person that acknowledges the main character in a positive way. She's like, I love you. You're great. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, she's the only like nice person in the movie, honestly. Yeah. And she's also kind of like, (laughs) it's almost ambiguous about like how much power she actually has, because you can tell that the store is suffering, you know, as we get to that, but like, she's very like eager and happy and like positive. And I'm just like, honey, like the store your family built is like falling apart. Like, you're... like I think I might love it because I am, I worked retail for ten years and I have worked for this woman for <laughs> 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 a character like this. And this is the person who you like. I know the sales are going down the tubes, but I just <laughs> I'm going to pretend that everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I love her. I love her in it. And she basically just gives this guy a job after. I mean, eventually. Like, mayhem happens with the swinging of the sign because of an act or whatever. And he's swinging on the sign, and she just is like, whatever position you want, kind of thing. Like, it's so, like, rich lady, like, here, just take my keys. I don't care if you steal my car. Like, it's very that. Yeah, it was so, yeah, it was so nice. She gives him a job. Um, and, she, yeah, she says that, um, you know, she's only, I think, been in this position like like she's very new in this position and she wants to make the store great again it needs some freshness it's a ghost town um and then we meet james spader um early james spader barely recognizable playing like i was really into james spader's acting choices in this movie Mm. he was just so interesting to watch um so yeah he so he actually wants the department store to stay a ghost town because he wants it to be acquired by illustra the big department store that roxy works for um so he is going to be andrew mccarthy's antagonist uh and he gives him he gives andrew mccarthy a job stocking inventory Mm -hmm. um and of course right away sorry go ahead the whole the whole bit like this film i tune out whenever andrew mccarthy Misak Taylor and Kim Cattrall are not on the screen and Estelle Getty are not on the screen. And any other storyline that happens outside of those four characters, I don't think anybody gives a fuck about. <laughs> like, I don't think, right? Anytime, anytime James Spader came on the screen, I was like, why do you have that comb over? <laughs> it was a wild comb over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, like, literally, if, if, if this is a proper rewatch, 
I say we fast forward past all the parts that involve the guy from Police Academy and James Spader. <laughs> yeah, very that. <laughs> I honestly, I tuned out anytime it was Roxy and that guy that she works with. I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't her. care. Too. That too. Her too. Yeah. yeah. Her, except, I mean, I, the only time I didn't tune out was when I looked at her hair because the hair was good. Everything else was bad. Also the so, fashion. Yeah. Oh, the has. fashion. Yeah. But that was the 80s. You can't give her, you can't go that against. You know what I mean? That was. <laughs> I low-key wanted to work at Illustra. Like that looked like a bomb place to work. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It had all that, like the cool, like neon signs and yeah, stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I worked, I also worked. Tenderoni like you in retail ones. I worked at Filene's Basement before it was purchased by Macy's and I folded ties and I had to fold them. They were like on this big circular table and you had to fold them and and you're nodding because you're like, I fucking folded ties before. (laughs) And I did ties and belts and I would get so mad because like children would just walk across and like swipe the tie table. And I'm like, you don't know how long that takes to put together, you little fucker. Um, (laughs) It drove me crazy. Do you have any like horror stories or like something memorable from your days working in retail? I mean, I, when I work retail, I work in the shoe industry. I worked in the shoe store for 10 plus years. And I was, of course, a stockroom diva being the butch lesbian I am. And <laughs> <laughs> I um, I mean, working in shoes is another beast in itself. Yeah. One time, an older woman, she uh, was trying on shoes and she asked for a pair of scissors so she can cut her toenails so they could fit. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> Another customer also asked one of my associates to borrow their socks so she could try on shoes. Oh my gosh. Where you gotta sell this workplace comedy to ABC stat yeah, Tenderoni, seriously. <laughs> Working wow. in a shoe seriously, do superstore 2.0. Everybody works in a shoe store. Exactly. <laughs> I do miss old school department stores though. There's Me some too. kind of <laughs> Me too. I love, I mean, sometimes like there literally will be times that I, this is, we're going off such a tangent, but there will literally be times where I will be at Sephora and it will be so stressful and so like chaotic that I'm like, I don't care. Get me to Nordstrom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how much more I have to pay or a deal or anything. Just get me to Nordstrom. <laughs> you need to have that like a little bumper sticker in your, on the back of your yeah. car. <laughs> Um, so Andrew so, McCarthy thrives in this position. He is yes, loving it. Yes. He finally comes across the mannequin. He finds her. He's so excited. He's like nuzzling her. He says, I guess all artists fall in love with their creations. You just seem so special. Like, mm-hmm. it's so nice. He's been reunited with his art. And then we enter Hollywood Montrose. Oh, my God. So I good. loved his entrance, I, I love that he says, I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. I thought that was such a great line for him. Um, yeah, he's just, everything about him is so fantastic mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was funny that with um, Samanikin, it's kind of, she kind of laid the foundation for Toy Story where she only comes to life when Andrew's around. It's like reverse Toy Story, right? Yeah. So. It's like only when he's around and then when other people come, she, you know, she goes limp, a.k.a. returns to her, you know, stiff mannequin status. Do you think um, it was something that she could, I mean, I guess she could, she could control it, right? Like it, it wasn't just a factor of someone else coming in. It was something that she chose to do. I don't see. I was going to pose this question later, but I shall pose it now because later there is a scene. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched Mannequin yet, but it's, you know, 2023. Movie came out a hundred years ago. 
But at the end of the movie, Roxy puts some mannequin as a mannequin in essentially like a wood chipper, yeah. right? And she's like yeah. going on this conveyor belt up to the wood chipper. So stressful, that scene. So stressful. Right. So, but she just, she stays a mannequin until Andrew McCarthy comes over to rescue her. And there is a guy there, but she doesn't know he's there. Maybe. But there's another moment where she's a mannequin. So you're like, okay, well, maybe she can only tr- truly turn to human form when Andrew McCarthy is there and nobody else is around in, yeah. within her eyeline. But then there's a scene earlier in the movie when she's a mannequin and she comes to life to knock a guy out. And she's like, look what I did. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. well, are you choosing it? What and- are the rules here? And why would you choose to stay in a wood chipper? I it was very dangerous. And then when Andy McCarthy comes, she turns into a human. Well, now she's heavy. It's like he could have lifted a mannequin out. That weighs less. You become a human, and now that's more weight for him to pull. But I, although, I don't know. To be fair to her, he was also really struggling to pull the mannequin out. So it's like Andrew McCarthy, pick up a dumbbell or something. It's also Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, he's not, I mean, he ain't no, like, The Rock. You know what I mean? He's also, right. In the whole movie, in the whole movie, he's wearing bowling shoes. Did you notice that? <laughs> no. Which are the slipperiest of shoes. <laughs> Even when he's riding his motorcycle, I was like, "Why is he wearing bowling shoes?" Yeah. Yeah. That seems like the most irresponsible thing to do as a human who walks. Period. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. outside of a bowling mm-hmm. alley. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised um, Hollywood would not clock him for that. <laughs> I mean, but Hollywood didn't seem. Hollywood seemed like the type of person that he only clocked people that like that he hated. You know what I mean? Like he or he judged. Like, yeah. Like. yeah, exactly. He would never clock his friend. He would tell his friend the truth, but he would never like clock his friend in that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we get into like the sort of promise of the premise of this movie, the fun and games yeah. where um, Andrew McCarthy hangs out in the mall at night with Kim Cattrall and she's kind of his muse. She's putting together these gorgeous, like this gorgeous window display mm-hmm. uh, for him. And uh, in the next morning and, you know, in the morning, she's a mannequin, a little yeah. bit of like a Cinderella story thing here yeah, by yeah. morning, by night. Um and the windows that she's creating with the mannequins, like they're such a success. The Huge. mall starts to get busy. Uh, Estelle Getty promotes Andrew to visual merchandiser, which, which sounds like a, a real job. Yeah. I also really enjoyed Estelle. I have to say just in in contrast to her looks on the Golden Girls, yeah. which were like lots of pale colors, lots of you know, floral patterns, a lot of wicker. Um, It was really nice to see her in that like bold royal blue blazer with the hot pink earrings and a blousey blouse. And her brown hair. I mean, and and the mm -hmm. way she didn't have that like the the sort of, I don't know, like stumbling walk that Sophia had, which I love, but she had like a very confident like, I might be tiny, but I'm walking. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Like she was able to keep up with the boys. Because she was the owner. I also love, I love her in the boardroom scene, too. Because yes. it's almost like the antithesis of Mommy Dearest, like Joan Crawford. Yeah. Like, the, don't fuck with me, fellas. Well, it's like Estelle Getty's version of that, where she's like, <laughs> no, I make the decision. Yes, totally. Yeah. And they also have, I mean, I will say the script for this is is good in that in that it kind of sets up the storyline where you 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 worry about Estelle Getty's character because you know that James Spader and all these people are doing like deceitful things against this like 
really positive, happy woman who just has this store and she loves it and all of these things. And you're like, it makes you hate James Spader more, which I'm so glad we're skipping his parts. Well, so <laughs> another thing I had a question about is, and I'm so sorry, I just like watching this movie, it really just starts to bring up a lot of questions for me in terms of like what's, like what's really going on here. And I know I'm looking too much into it, but so Anna McCarthy needs some mannequin to make these window displays for him. Like when she comes alive at night, she's creating these for him. She's his muse, but she's actually like doing the work and he sees it and he's like, wow, like you did this. So I started wondering, like, is this kind of like a, not like a Jacob's ladder situation, but like, I don't know if either one of you watched moon Knight or familiar with moon Knight Marvel. So like, is this a situation where you're both shaking your head? No. Where I will is tell you Anna what situation McCarthy... it is. I know how to answer this question in a in a in a way that Tenderoni and I will understand. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you: Is okay. this a situation where is Anna McCarthy fought like blacking out at night, basically, and like sleepwalking and making these beautiful window displays, right? But his mind won't take credit for it because he secretly loathes himself and he he needs to be a tortured artist. You know, I'll tell, like you, it, I'll tell you what it is. It is back to Tenderoni's uh, brilliant idea that this is a Samantha Jones origin story from Sex and the City. This is the early examples of how Samantha Jones basically made Carrie Bradshaw. You think she got that book deal on her own? No. It was because Samantha Jones got her into the places that she needed to get into to become the name that she was. She became her PR person. How? What did she do for her career? Basically built it. She got her, like, movie deals and stuff. Like, I mean, Samantha Jones created Carrie Bradshaw. And did Samantha Jones ask for anything in return? No. Just a friendship and love. And what did we learn in Just Like That? Carrie Bradshaw's a shitty friend. <laughs> That's it. I think that answered yeah, it, right? everything about that. That's yeah. her... Uh, okay. I mean, basically, like, I mean, Samantha Jones did it all without needing a claim. She just wanted to get boned every once in a while and, you know, have her own career and not have some man tying her down. That's all she ever wanted. She didn't need the acclaim, just like with Andrew McCarthy. She didn't need the acclaim uh, and the attention of being credited for creating the windows. She let him take all of the credit for her work. Because she just wanted to get boned and maybe be put in a wood chipper. Because clearly that's her kink. (laughs) I was actually a little pissed because it got to a point where I was like, hang on, she's doing all the work and he is taking credit for it. And then I think later at one point he says to her, like, he's like, I don't, if we can't be together, like, this isn't worth it for me. Like, I'm choosing, like, he never took that selfish step I thought maybe he was Mm going to take because it's been a minute since I've seen the movie. I was like, oh, no, is he going to start, like, using her? But he doesn't. He's just, so I was like, I was glad that they didn't quite, because there were already too many bad people in this movie. Yes. Um, I do want to play the scene where um, Estelle sees the window display. I think this might be the one where the cyclists are in motion, which... I was like, that's actually really cool. I don't know that I've ever seen mannequins in motion in a window before like that. Maybe I have, and I'm just forgetting, but I thought it looked pretty cool. Good morning, Jonathan. What do you think? It's hot, huh? Meltdown. Oh, yes, hot. Smoking, burning, churning, whatever. Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, I love, I love... (laughs) Just an Estelle Getty just being like, yes, lingo, childhood lingo. I'm hip. I'm cool. Yes, burning. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like. I absolutely loved it. I was like waiting. I guess I'm just so used to her being Sophia that I was like, where's her snarky remark or like her yeah. being like negative? About it? She's just so positive in this Didn't movie. Didn't have it. <laughs> Didn't have At it. At one point, she calls a guy. I wrote it down. It was funny. Oh, yeah. One one guy, she goes, cram it, clown. And I was like, yeah. okay, that sounds a little bit like Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lo- there are lots of shenanigans well, happening. Like James Spade. Sorry, go ahead. No, she does get kind of, and just to kind of fast forward a little bit, she does get kind of like Sophia-esque when the James Spader and the cop, the rent-a-cop from Police Academy, who he's basically just playing the exact same character he played in Police Academy, yes. which also co-starred Kim Cattrall. And he, they they like, they kind of like are trying to hunt and catch Andrew McCarthy's character, like with this mannequin. And there's that scene, I think it's the next clip you want to play, Carrie, where... Yeah, she, let's play it. Where she kind of like does get into sort of a Sophia sort of response to people messing with her boy, Andrew. Yeah, she finds the security guard passed out in a pile of mannequins. Your idea of a security guard? I, Claire, I assure you, I had you nothing to do... You him, you fire him. Well, what if he's telling the truth? How can you think that? The man is a lunatic, but I've never known him to lie. He's absolutely right. Mr. Richards, this store has never been more successful, and it's all due to Jonathan Switcher. I don't care if he puts a rubber glove on his head and runs naked through the store yelling, Hi, I'm a squid! Hi. Morning, Mrs. T. Oh, hello, Jonathan. This morning's window is your most brilliant Mm. yet. Thank you. What happened here? God only knows. Felix... Did you try and take Omaha Beach all by yourself again? I was doing what Mr. Richards told me to do. I never said anything. Oh, about... is that right? Clear well, up. Richards, when you take Felix to get his last paycheck, get your own as well. Oh! Uh, Mr. Timken, I, uh, you may be our grand dame, but I've had serious doubts about a woman your age running the store. Uh, I'll appeal to the board. I can't imagine you're appealing to anybody. Don't mess with this old chick, mister. Just pack it up. I can't imagine you're appealing to anybody. She basically said he had a small dick. <laughs> that was her best line. Right? Oh. Wait, no, no. There's a, it there's, was such a good moment. When we get to the end of this, I'm going to play her best line. It wasn't a part of Carrie's clips, but I added it because it's my favorite line from Estelle Getty in this. Great. Movie. Well, I will, I will like just rush us through this next stuff because I feel like it's kind of boring. He gets promoted to VP of the company. Yeah, yeah everybody's trying to take him down. But, um, but, 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 and then I mean, it's really... Over this period of the movie, before it gets to like the, the dramatic ending where they catch you know the man, like all of the things. We all know that what happens in this movie. She gets put in a, a wood chipper and you know they fall in love and she gets saved, whatever. But there is that like beautiful... like. 80s building of a love story where the music becomes such an integral part of the story because every 80s film needed that song. You know what I mean? Needed that like 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 dirty dancing needed that song. And so many of these films and this film also the only academy award this film got was for its song. And Tenderoni, I mean you have a personal experience with the song because you are there's one video of you with an iconic drag queen doing a duet to this song. Do you want to explain what this song and why it's so special? Yeah, the song is by Jefferson Starship called Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Yes. You probably heard it while you've been uh, shopping for groceries or in the ATM <laughs> because that's where they play it most. 
Um, and yes, I am obsessed with song. I have performed. So the drag queen detox, who is iconic, drag race, one yes. of my faves, one, one of my, my faves too. Her most iconic performance is performing as a mannequin to the song. So she just freezes. She freezes in all the boys' parts, and she only does the girls' parts. Yeah, and then she <laughs> so walks around She walks around with, with her purse out, and she just holds open. Like, there's this one part towards the end where she freezes as the mannequin, and she has her purse open, and people just walk up and put money in her purse. It's so good. That's incredible. It, okay, you're going to have to send me a video of that. I but no, 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 no. Not the, I'll send you that video. But there is a – was it in Chicago that you guys performed this duet? Yeah, so then in Chicago, she was in a show that I was in that was an 80s theme. And um, I had the like Hollywood Montrose glasses, you know, the asymmetrical. Yeah. And she was like, oh, my God, we should do mannequin number duet. And I was like, uh, your, my life dream is coming true. <laughs> <laughs> so we did it yeah. duet style. And I do the boy parts and she does the girl parts and we freeze on the opposite parts. No, that's the video that I want to see. It's so, I mean, we, will, we will post that video on on with permission from Dunderoni on our Instagram account and stuff. And it is it is just so good. And it's everything that I love about drag because it is so stupid and so fun <laughs> and so original, but yet also so absurd. It's just it's just everything all in one. And I think it's why it's why we love drag. Right, Tenderoni? It's also so funny because like eighty percent of the audience do not know the reference. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think that's probably so, the the problem with our like sometimes with our drag is that like we make these references in our bits and stuff that like some of the younger people in the crowd who love say, drag, do you think it's an age thing. They don't know it. Yeah, but but but, but I don't think it's. I, I hate saying it's an age thing because I remember and I think you know Tenderani had a similar experience as kids and Carrie, you probably too, where. We were we were actively researching references for things that like were long before our time because we were just obsessed with it and we wanted to know more about it. So it's I don't think it's like a age thing. I think it's a lack of like one a lack of interest in sort of investigating where these references come from or where these songs come from or where whatever. So to the kids, it's just a song they hear in a grocery store. But to us, it's like <gasps> it's the movie that came on at one a.m. on HBO when we were kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, yeah. I also think back in the day, we didn't have a choice. It's like what was on TV, what was what was what was on TV. Yeah. Now there's so many choices. Yeah. Right. There's an overload kind of, like, of content. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You're just like, okay, this is the choice. This mannequin is on, and I'm just gonna watch it. Insane. It's a funny movie, but now Insane. you can choose everything. And it was the yeah. First... It feels like because you can't discover things. You know, it's either like someone who's older than you, like a family member, like passing it down. Like you have to watch mannequin because yeah. because you're right kids aren't just going to be like watching tv and it's like well what's the movie that's on tonight oh okay i'll watch this because i have no choice totally. like that doesn't exist anymore you're right and over the hunt so after that song and their love is like solidified because you know that song solidified their love basically in that montage moment that they had of them driving in the motorcycle and all that and <laughs> and the two allies that this couple has that they don't even know, like Andrew doesn't even know that they're his allies and they're an allies for this couple is, of course, Hollywood and Estelle Getty. And 
I like how we're saying Hollywood, but we're using the real real actors' names for everyone else. But with Hollywood, it's like Hollywood. He is Hollywood. <laughs> he is Hollywood. Mind you, yeah. Hollywood and Estelle Getty is literally me and Natasha. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Oh my god, that's so true. That's me and my girlfriend. Wow. But but they have this allyship throughout in separate ways. Where like there's a great scene of of Andrew McCarthy and Kim Patrol as the mannequin in the bathroom, and they're like having a conversation, and Hollywood's like standing by the bathroom door with a bunch of women being like, how dare you be listening in on... I mean, literally, Hollywood doesn't even know what's going on yet, and yet he is standing up for this man and his weird relationship having conversations with a mannequin. Like, everyone needs that friend! Well, it, in the movie, they're very homophobic to him. There's oh, a they part where they are. Call him, they call Hollywood a Mary. Right. Like, they say all this stuff. And you can tell that he's got thick skin he's like been dealing with it so he's like i'm gonna stand up for my friend with the mannequin fetish because i mm-hmm. too have been <laughs> judged by my yeah i love <laughs> it's so true it's so true there's even parts where he like kind of flirts with guys and like i mean he's just he's just the the gay guy that i love the most with just the no water hose th- scene yes, yes i love that what did he say two things i like to do fight and kiss boys yeah. and it, as he's hosing like the security team down i love that <laughs> just blasting them with water it was so great it so, was so great so great okay well carrie do you want to take us home to the final wood chipper conclusion yeah i mean like we said it's you know she puts her in a wood chipper and that's it and then and then, then andrew mccarthy saves her and he kisses her um and it's so great uh but it's revealed then like this is when this is the moment in the film when every character basically a meets kim cattrall for the first time which like yes you know i bet they all were were speechless because i would be if i was in the presence of of kim cattrall um and 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 the 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 sort of the allies that we knew all along make themselves really known in this Mm -hmm. scene especially with this estelle getty moment Yes. And uh, yeah, there everything comes to light, everything that everybody's been trying to do to bring Andrew McCarthy down. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's play the play the clip. Who's she? She's who I came for. She's the dummy. I said arrest that man. Keep your hands off him. Claire, thank goodness you're here. These people. Oh, are... shut up, BJ. You really screwed up. Claire, what are you talking about? When I fired this idiot the other day, I decided to replace him with one of those fancy camera surveillance systems. I have Richards and this moron on videotape. I was sure you were behind this. You, you, you greedy snake. Claire. I want those two arrested for breaking and entering and grand theft, and I'll get you later for conspiracy. Yeah, and you can add kidnapping to that. I... I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we both said I at the same time. I just dropped you all go. my stuff because I was so excited. You I go. love the voices in this film. So Kim Cattrall already has a very sort of like, I mean, the Christina Aguilera voice. The the sort of like, well, you know it's what I mean? It's like, very airy. It moves yes. like air. But the cop and the, the other business owner, I mean, they sound like cartoon characters. Their voices are so unique and, and James Spader yeah. sounds like that cartoon character is like heavens to Murgatroyd. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. everybody's big. They're all very big. Yeah they're, yeah. they're all very big. But Estelle Getty coming in being like, I've got cameras. I loved the way she says, um, like, I've got it on videotape. Yeah. Again, it's like that funny enunciation that is like, it is so Dorothy's born act with the way that she just like chooses 
a weird syllable to emphasize. I just, I'm obsessed with it. Um, I also love that she just waves a videotape in the air and she like commands the cops to arrest people because she has something on videotape. They're like, arrest them. No, arrest them. Like I love, I love the way the law works in movies. Always. My, (laughs) always, always, always. My favorite line. We're getting to this moment. My favorite line in the movie is basically when, Estelle Getty that happened shortly after this moment when Andrew McCarthy and Estelle Getty have a moment together and she basically admits to just watching him do all of these things God knows what we didn't see she has watched him do all of these things with this mannequin like (laughs) all of them and it's from this scene and it makes me so happy those video cameras did they pick up everything last night I only saw what I needed to see which you know, then she's sitting up there getting off, watching them in the <laughs> in the hammock. What did she see? What did she see? That's the sequel. That's the sequel. That is the sequel. Her and Hollywood are the sequel. That's what they should have done. Fuck the mannequin. They should have just done an Estelle Getty in Hollywood vehicle where Estelle Getty's in her office watching these videos and Hollywood being like, "I got the popcorn." They're having a viewing party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're right. The two of them, I would watch a spinoff, a sequel movie with just the two of them, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So I I did like um, that Andrew and Samanikin get married in the store window. Like that's also one of the displays and like Hollywood's officiating. I was like, oh, okay. They were actually pretty creative with the windows and I like the way that they sort of tied in the ending. And Estelle's Um, in there too. Yeah, it was really sweet. Yeah. It was so nice. One last question is so in watching a movie like this, um I had the same thought that I had when I watched like Encino Man. Um when I watched there's this like Netflix Christmas movie where a girl falls in love with a hot Civil War era ghost who oh. like becomes human again, okay. which is like these people don't have social security numbers or any like legal documentation of their existence. So how <laughs> is Samanikin now going to exist in society, be able to exist in society without any sort of proof of her existence? That's what I worry about when I watch these movies. You want to feel that, Moni? Oh, by her real name, uh, Emma Hesere. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that Tedroni literally just referred to her notes. You are a, you are like one of us. You are fully one of us. I <laughs> love notes. and they're handwritten. That is yes, yes, wow. Yes. That is oh. my favorite part was the Illustra logo because I love Illustra. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh wow. my gosh, she did that so well. Yeah, she's. I mean, Tedroni's good at this stuff. She knows what she's doing. Wow. But honestly, I love, love, love that ending wedding scene. I was like, I kind of want to do that. Like, yeah. How iconic would that be as how, a wedding? How iconic would it be to get married in a store? Also, the storefront windows are also kind of something that's gone by the wayside because of the, the fall of department stores and malls and stuff, which is really depressing because, I mean, sometimes they're a lot of fun. There's one Macy's here. There's one Macy's here in Chicago that still does it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I, when I was I in, mean, I go ahead. Well, we do drag shows at the Macy's because, you know, there's drag everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we do drag shows at the Walnut Room, which is like a hundred year old yes. like <laughs> um, restaurant. And 
in the holiday season because we get ready behind the scenes you can see it looks like mannequin movie oh. because you can see them putting all of the like window displays together and the mannequins and everything oh it's my really God. cool next time you do a show there please take a selfie with a mannequin just a mannequin it doesn't matter which one it is just a, a mannequin. mannequin yeah it's a mannequin yeah just sneak mannequin. into the window and wow yeah. wow well i have to say so that was the movie so much that fun. was the movie and i am so glad that you were able to be here tenderoni because a i love you so much but b i want i mean people in the drag world know who you are but i want everyone in the golden girls world to also know who you are you are iconic you're just like you're iconic do you have any last words Oh, my last words is this poor man is having a breakdown <laughs> <We did> another <laughs> funny line at the end of the movie which we didn't talk about <laughs> wait go back to that scene for a second oh what God. what part was that it's it's when the security guard is like she's the dummy and he's like oh, yelling right i mean samantha he's yelling at the mannequin and He's like going crazy. And I don't even remember what character says. I just have it written down. And it says, this poor, this man, poor man is having, having a breakdown. A <laughs> I do feel bad. I feel like people are really capitalizing on that man's poor PTSD, like his oh, war related yeah. PTSD. Cause they were like, Oh, Bobby, like you're not Nam anymore. And I was like, Oh, easy. Like yeah. this man, like has clearly, like he's been through some stuff. He's and trying also, to deal with some stuff. It wasn't that, I mean, this was what, 1987. It wasn't like, Vietnam was like less than 20 years before this. Like mm-hmm. he literally probably is legit dealing with stuff still, <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. would be canceled now. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. This movie would not, this movie wouldn't get past like the, 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 the CW pitch meeting. Like this movie would not go very far at all today, but I'm so glad it exists primarily, of course, for Estelle Getty, but also because of that song and Hollywood, I mean, those two, those two moments together make this movie just worth it. And Estelle Getty being in it and being like so awesome in it is like the cherry on top. Agreed. Should, I don't know, should we take a quick break and then come back and we do our golden takeaways? Yes, we should. Yes, we should. We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your GT from this episode? I think my golden takeaway is watching Andrew McCarthy in this movie. I've realized I kind of want to go back and watch Weekend at Bernie's mm. um, because he's great in those movies. And also because Bernie is played by Terry Kaiser a.k.a. Dorothy's boyfriend, Don, a.k.a. Ringo in Beatlemania in mm. um, one of a classic Golden Girls episodes. So I feel like I kind of want to go back and just watch Weekend at Bernie's because, you like know, that. just, yeah, I, I think like that's that. my golden takeaway. What's your golden takeaway, Alan Scott slash Sadie Pines? My golden takeaway from this episode is I think, and I feel like this is something that Tenderoni and I need to do, um, an entire drag show inspired by music solely from the 1980s movie soundtracks, meaning that we're talking Dirty Dancing, I've had the time of my life. We're talking this movie. We're talking uh, Fame. We're talking Flashdance. We're talking, I mean, the Footloose. Like, we're talking the 80s movie ballads slash, like, 
epic anthems. That is the drag show, and I'm ready for it. I Tenderoni and I have already discussed a number where we do, I've had the time of my life, and somehow one of us gets lifted up. Who knows who? And <laughs> you take an elevator, we both get yeah. <laughs> just oh. as long as I can, I can dress up and play the sister that goes, Where is my beige iridescent lipstick? <laughs> She's the one that sings. Oh, no, 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 I, I was like, oh. You have to sing that Hawaiian song, yes, yeah, I will yeah. if that's what it takes. You yes. have to do that. Oh my god, Tenderoni, what's your golden takeaway from this episode? My golden takeaway, honestly, is that while watching this, I realized that. Um, Hollywood Montrose was probably one of the first queer characters I saw on film yeah. as a child because I watched this movie as a child and I honestly think that it had a part in shaping who I am as a queer person now and um, I mean honestly it's iconic and it you know what Hollywood Montrose needs his flowers it's true <laughs> Hollywood does I mean an R.I.P. Misak Taylor like what an iconic yeah, actor definitely. like such a good actor Ugh. Tenderoni thank you so much for being here where can people find you on the internet you can find me online. My Instagram is tenderoni88. My Twitter is tender underscore oni. You can see my musings and complaining about pop culture there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Everyone go follow Tenderoni and someday you will see us perform a number together. It's going to happen. I just, I know it's going to happen. It has to yes. happen. It has to happen. And thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. Oh, and guys, you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, on Instagram at out on the wow, that's hard to say out on the Lanai official, and on Facebook Golden Girls Pod. And I am H Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines on everything. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. Because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And before we go, we need to tell everyone you need to go to, if you're in Chicago area and you want to come to Golden Girls Con, you need to come visit us. Because both of us will be there and you can get information and tickets at thank you for being a fan.com. Um, it is, it's just going to be so much fun. Are you excited for that, Carrie? Because I am. I'm counting down the days, which thank God, thank you for being a fan has an actual countdown to the days mm-hmm. and the minutes and the hours. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need to go there to like, okay, I don't have to do that math myself. Um, I'm so excited. I've never been to Chicago before. Oh. Like this is so many firsts for me. This is the first time I'm going to be leaving little baby Oreo at oh. home. Um, the first time I'm leaving baby Oreo. Um, uh, so it's just a bunch of firsts for me and. It's going to be the first time I'm in a place with the number of Golden Girls fans that are going to be there. So many firsts. I'm over the moon. So come meet us, guys. Get your tickets and come meet us because we want to meet you. And I am actively planning some incredible looks for Golden Girls. Yeah, you are. are. You're going to die. You're going to die. So, guys, as always. Remember. Stay stay golden. Golden!